You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Obehave is brought to you by Swipe It. Literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. Go to SwipeIt.com. S-W-I-P-E-T-S dot com. It's Obehave with Arden Moore. The show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the O Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. It's time to test your skills in a game I'm calling Name That Famous Person. Okay, here's the quote. You ready? It goes like this. I know it is wet and the sun is not sunny, but we can have lots of good fun. That is funny. What's your guess? Tick tock, tick tock. Now, if you said The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss, a.k.a. Ted Geisel, I want you all to take a well-deserved play bow. Rhyming words with both whimsy and purpose, that was just one of the many talents demonstrated by the great Dr. Seuss. But his colorful, clever artwork, it just continues to entertain children and the child and all of us to this day. And that's why I am very delighted to have a special guest, a person who can share some special insights into the secret world of Dr. Seuss. I want you all to give a pause and applause to the curator and director of The Art of Dr. Seuss, Bill Dreyer. Hey, welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you, Arden. It's great to be here. All right. Now, listeners, you're going to have a great special treat today. I want you to grab your favorite Cat in the Hat book or other classic from Dr. Seuss, and we're going to talk about some cool artwork that'll have some surprising messages. But as you know, we got to pay for the show, so we got to take a commercial break first. So, Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. All behave. We'll be right back. Pause up. I'm Arden Moore, and I'm here to tell you about a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. Right, Ziki? Right, Murphy? And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T-S. A simple solution for shedding. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. 
Welcome back to the OBHAVE show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is Bill Dreyer, who has what I may consider one of the coolest jobs on the planet. He's the curator and director of The Art of Dr. Seuss, and he's based in the Chicagoland area. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, it's great to be inside your building right now, correct, Bill? (laughs) That's right. I'm in Chicago. And let's give the people a little idea of what's happening on the outside. Well, it's not as cold as it was a few weeks ago when we had the winter vortex come through. It was one degree this morning uh, with wind. It was well below that, but it builds character. It builds character. It also builds icicles in your nostrils. I used to live in Chicago. (laughs) I know. How was the drive-in? Was it okay? Terrible. Horrible drive-in. Yeah, it was uh, slow, and uh, I think there were several accidents. It's, It's slick and slippery, and we did have some snow last night, so welcome to the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. So you are a very talented man in the world of art. Tell our our listeners, how in the heck you got this amazing gig to be in charge of the collection of work by Dr. Seuss? Well, I'll tell you, good fortune, fate, uh, all these things come together. I I happen to be in the right place at the right time. I had been in the art business for a decade in 1997 when I happened to be in New York City at the very first exhibition of what has become known as The Secret Art of Dr. Seuss. And those are the paintings and the sculpture that Theodore Seuss Geisel, a.k.a. Dr. Seuss, his friends called him Ted, Mm -hmm. the first exhibition of these paintings that Ted created at night for himself that he rarely, if ever, exhibited during his lifetime. So I was in that uh, exhibition in New York City, and like everybody else that comes into contact with the collection, you're stunned, you're completely blown away, and in my case, I had no idea that this most iconic, famous American author had a treasure trove of paintings hidden away at the house that he just had for his own personal pleasure. Gosh, that's crazy. And every day you come into work, you must see something new in each of these artworks. And we want to ask our listeners at this time, I want you guys to go to either during this broadcast or right after, I want you to go to a special website. It's drseussart.com. And under that, we're going to go through some specific ones with the cat in the hat. There's so many things. There was one thing you told me before, and I was really intrigued by that, if you could share it. There is some alter egos of famous characters in Dr. Seuss's litany of works that kind of are describe him, too, right? So tell the folks who he really is. Who are his alter egos? Yes. Ted Geisel has a couple of key alter egos, and they're a few of his most famous characters. The Grinch, who stole Christmas, of course, that curmudgeonly uh, supposed villain of uh, Whoville. <laughs> the Grinch is certainly an alter ego, and then the Cat in the Hat is also an alter ego because the cat is this tall, wily, mischievous prankster, and that really was Ted Geisel's in many, in many ways. Uh, unfortunately, Ted Geisel didn't document his paintings. He didn't write about them and leave a bunch of great stories for us to read and research. So our own efforts delve into this body of work to determine some of these things. And and it's true that in 1957, he did a self-portrait of himself that ran in the Saturday Evening Post as the cat in the hat with the cat's bow tie and the stovepipe hat, which is so famous today. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. I feel like I should be rhyming during this 
broadcast, but you're okay if I, there's no way I can even attempt to compare to the incomparable Dr. Seuss. But do you ever find yourself in a rhyming mood? (laughs) I do, but it's so funny. He used to go to all kinds of events, of course, and there would usually be some dignitary or mayor or governor or president of the college that would try and do an introduction in rhyme. And I think he found it so lacking that it it became a joke that he had to listen to all these rhymes out there that were supposedly in Seussian verse. But those people who really make an effort at it realize that Seuss's genius was this this rhyming scheme and this uh, ability to create wordplay that was really unique to him. And it's not easy at all. In fact, he said that writing books was two things. It was sweat and blood. And he worked hard and diligently to accomplish every word on every page. Even though it seems whimsical, he detested the word whimsical used in connection with his work because he labored over this. It didn't just fly off the top of his head. He would write and rewrite pages and illustrations until it was exactly as he wanted it. And how many words you said uh, roughly are in The Cat in the Hat or The Grinch That Stole Christmas? There's not that many. Well, The Cat in the Hat was written somewhat on a challenge during the 1950s when the Why Johnny Can't Read book came out talking about how illiteracy was on the rise and why aren't our children learning to read. And there was a, uh, an article written that said, why can't we have the top people of the day, Walt Disney and Dr. Seuss, writing our first grade primers. And Dr. Seuss read that article, took the challenge, and took the 227 words that were designated as first grade primer words, and he created the cat in the hat. Uh, In essence, he created a page turner for kids. And I grew up with the Dick, Jane, and Sally books, and uh, they were course, boring and, and uh, didn't, <laughs> I didn't did accomplish what they intended, which is to create a desire in children to read. Dr. Seuss changed the world and changed literature and changed the way that generations of children would learn to read with that book, The Cat in the Hat. That's true. Now, was it 1957 that book came out? 1957, and, and another interesting note is that an author that comes out with one good book like that a year is a pretty impressive. Well, in 1957, Seuss comes out with The Cat in the Hat, and then later in the year he came out with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So two oh, huge books from the Seuss Pantheon came out in 1957, and he was an overnight success after 20 years of writing children's books. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Uh, yeah, 20-year overnight success. Hey, exactly. folks, we're speaking with Bill Dreyer. He is the curator of the Art of Dr. Seuss, and the site we want you to go to is drseussart.com. And there's some ones of his works that are available. There's some works that aren't. But in the show, we're going to be running a slideshow that so you can look at each of these images, but we're going to go through some of them and get kind of the insights from the good Bill Dreyer about what Dr. Seuss is trying to say in this. And I guess if we wanted to uh, help navigate people, if you will, let's go to drseussart.com. I feel like I'm doing a Jeopardy question here, Bill. And for $200, no, I want you to go under the tab that's called The Art of Dr. Seuss. And then the first one I would like you to do is under Illustration Art, there's another tab. If you would be so kind as to tell us a little bit about the one that a lot of people think of when they see the cat in the hat. And this artwork is called The Cat That Changed the World. 
And that artwork there really does harken back to the beginning of Seuss's huge success as a children's book author. Even though he was writing children's books for 20 years, literally he, his first book came out in 1937, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. And he wrote fairly successfully, although not too, too much acclaim for that 20-year period. And then The Cat in the Hat came out, and as the title expresses, that is the cat that changed the world. And Seuss could have had had no idea at that point just what impact that cat would have on literacy, education, and his career. At that point forward, his books started to sell not in the thousands, but in the millions. And even after The Cat in the Hat came out, the, all the books that he had written up to that point also received huge bumps in terms of their sales and their success and their exposure. It is that long, lean, wily looking, this is his alter ego that really does look like him, huh? It really does. And he's, he was a tall man. He was uh, six foot three. And, and he really was that cat, this mischievous prankster that, that I mentioned. There's a great story where he used to live in New York City in his 20s. And he broke into a friend's apartment in the <laughs> wintertime. And the friend was gone for the week, and he knew that, and he broke in, and he filled his friend's tub with hot water, sliced fruit, about a dozen goldfish, and a lot of gelatin. He opened the window, and a week later, his friend came back to the largest tub of goldfish and sliced fruit jello in the world. Oh, no. I'm sorry. And this one, we're going to have to say there were goldfish harmed in the making of this prank. But, yeah, um, you cannot hopefully. do that today. <laughs> Okay, that sounds pretty good. The next one I was hoping you could speak about is still under the illustration art category, and it's called, Oh, the Stuff You Will Learn. I love that we're on radio. So kind of help us, the folks, because I want them, they're going to see it on the slideshow, but Oh, the Stuff You Will Learn. I look at that. It's I actually love, that's one of my favorites. And I understand why. It came from a book that's called I Can Read With My Eyes Shut. And mm-hmm. in this book, he returns to the cat, and then a little cat, young cat. And the cat leads the cat through his life and talks about how important reading is and all the things that you can learn, all the places you can visit if you read and explore and delve into good writing. In this particular artwork that you're talking about, it's the the big cat pushing a basket almost a shopping cart of books up a hill or a Seussian kind of a pathway. And the little cat's behind there, and the big cat is tossing books to the little cat to read as they meander up the pathway of life. And, all right, you know because of his alter ego, the Grinch, don't you see a parallel to that with Grinch when he is kind to his people afterwards? Doesn't it look like a similar parallel? It does. And one of the interesting things to note about the Grinch, especially in, in context of his alter ego, is that Dr. Seuss was 53 years old when he wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And when you think about that book, and you'll remember this from this point forward, or you remember watching the TV special, the Grinch says at a certain point, why, for 53 years I've put up with it now, I must stop this Christmas from coming, but how? That is Dr. Seuss. He is the Grinch. And to this day, in La Jolla, California, where his wife, Mrs. Audrey Geisel, lives in the house that they were in for so many years, you'll go to that house, and when you go into the garage, there is a car that she and Ted drove that uh, Audrey still drives to this day, and the license plate of that car 
What do you think that is, Arden? I think I know, but I want you to say it. Grinch. Great. Sitting there behind the Grinch. I wouldn't even want to toot my horn if that person didn't go through the green light when it was ready, because I would be afraid (laughs) that the Grinch would come back and get me. But instead, you have a nice elderly woman named Audrey that would probably give you a glare, right? (laughs) I, I think that everybody in La Jolla knows who's in that car, and they graciously let her pass with a nice wave. Yeah, that's a smart move. Hey, folks, we're speaking with Bill Dreyer. He is the curator and director of the Art of Dr. Seuss Works. This website is drseussart.com, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the works, and then we're going to also discuss where you can find some of these works. Some of these are no longer available. Some, if you have some ka you might be able to purchase, but go to one of the museums all over the country because it's really going to be a delightful day if you do that. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Bill Dreyer and The Secret Art of Dr. Seuss. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Pause up. I'm Arden Moore, and I'm here to tell you about a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's Patent Pending Glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. Right, Ziki? Right, Murphy? And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T-S. A simple solution for shedding. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Jen Davis, the creator of Garfield, urging you to listen to the O Behave Show with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. Oh, yeah? We'll see about that. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to O Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the O Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I am learning a lot from you, Bill. We're talking about Bill as in Bill Dreyer, who's got the coolest job on the planet. He's the curator of the Art of Dr. Seuss Works. He's based in very cold Chicago right now. But you got to know that every day you go to your work, you're not looking at boring, bland walls, are you? No, I feel fortunate to, to be able to wake up and work with the art of the good doctor every day. It's a, it's a tremendous joy. All right. Now, the one I also want to do that's under the category illustration art is called Little Cats B, C, and A. Little Cats B, C, and A is from the follow-up book to The Cat in the Hat. And the year after that book came out, Seuss comes back to it very quickly. And he comes back with The Cat in the Hat comes back. And this follows the adventure of the cat where we left off, where he came into the house and and tore things up with thing one and thing two and uh, ultimately um, cleans things up in the end. But the adventures continue in this book, and this is really a key image. It's got the cat in the hat lifting his hat, and on top of his head is another cat 
lifting his hat, and on top of his head is another cat, and on and on and on with several cats. That's because in this book, there are, I think, A through Z, 26 different cats that are used to try and clean up this spot that um, gets loose in the house and eventually gets loose outside. And the last cat, little cat Z, pulls his hat open and uh, pulls out what's called Voom. And that Voom finally cleans it up and makes the day. That's great. There he is. He's doing the ABCs, but I like even in this Susian way, it isn't ABC, it isn't CBA. He did B, C, and A. What do you think? B, C, and A, just these little turns that Seuss makes really got to give him his style. And he used to say, I look at the world to the wrong end of the telescope. And he indeed does. And and think back to green eggs and ham. It's not ham and eggs. In his case, he does that simple little reverse turn, and it makes the phrase. Yeah, and I actually do like ham, but I don't like it green. But that was one of my favorite books, too, growing up. All right, so we've got Little Cats B, C, and A. Now, we're going to go dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. We're going to the Secret Art tab on the website, drseussart.com. And one of the first ones is, you know, it might surprise people, Bill. I want you to discuss a little bit about the work he did. It's called The Manly Art of Self-Defense. And set it up because it isn't these beautiful yellow and bright green and colors. So talk about this. Well, this body of work that he created began when he was in his 20s, in the 1920s, and he really enjoyed painting late at night. What's interesting about this artwork and what I would consider his deco period, and what I mean by that is this period of time between the 1930s and 1940s, where he used this heavy black background in many of his artworks, and that acts to pop out the imagery that he creates on the painting. And it's also this smaller, more nuanced, limited palette of color that he uses in many of the works during this period. This artwork that you're talking about, Manly Art of Self-Defense, ties to that period. And we don't have, again, we don't have the exact dates and time and information, but we do believe this to be the late um, 1930s, mid to late 1930s, when he was creating this deco period of, of work, which had that black background. Now, Dr. Seuss, of German origin, was probably quite interested, as the entire United States was, in the Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling boxing match, which occurred at two different times in 1936 and 1938. So Seuss was a cultural sponge, and he often held a mirror up, in essence, and showed us who we were as a society, and he reflected to us what was going on in a really interesting way. Here he is doing his take of this this artwork called The Manly Art of Self-Defense. And you'll see the boy is looking there, kind of getting ready to box. His head is up. His eyes are closed. It's the erudite, you know, the sport of, of men. Yet the cat oftentimes gives us the real story of what's going on in his artworks. It's the cat that is often looking at us and giving us what's really going on. He looks a little surprised. This is a brutal sport. And the boy may not be aware of it, but the cat certainly is. And as the case was with the Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling fight, it was quite brutal on the the second match where Joe Lewis completely swept him up within, I think, one or two rounds. Yep. Take that, Howard Cosell. We got Bill Dreyer giving it a blow-by-blow play. (laughs) 
<laughs> best I can. <laughs> no, you did well. You did well. There was one I wanted to talk to you about that's kind of a funny one that's Dr. Seuss having a little fun at maybe Art Snobs. And it's Green Cat with Lights. And I believe that one is, is that under the secret art too? Absolutely. It should be. Uh, yes, it's under the secret art tab there. Oh, yeah. Green Cat with Lights. Now, what I love about this artwork is that it is the only artwork that is not signed Dr. Seuss. And you notice on the bottom lower right, it says Strugu von M. <laughs> and we did not know why he signed Strugo von M until after we had completed a book on the art and life of Dr. Seuss that was published a few years ago. It's called Secrets of the Deep. Um, mm-hmm. It's since sold out and been republished as a, a book called The Cat Behind the Hat. And as we're turning the page of this book and showing it to Mrs. Audrey Geisel after we completed it, we came to that page and we said, Audrey, we've always wanted to know, why did he sign Strugo von M? And we know that Seuss wanted to know what people thought about his artwork, even though he didn't ask people and he really didn't give a lick about what people thought about his artwork. It was for his own enjoyment. He didn't want to be judged on it. But at some point, you really do want to know if people like your work. Well, Audrey told us that he would put this artwork in the front of the house, and people would come in, and they'd walk by, and they'd stop over there, and they'd say, what's this? And Ted would say, that's my Strugo von M. How do you like it? He would get honest feedback on his artwork. And at least on one occasion, one of the guests said, stepped back and said, ah, yes, Strugo von M. I've heard of him. Oh, no. <laughs> it's kind of a litmus test of genuine friendships, right? It is, and it's also uh, harkening back to Seuss the Prankster. The artwork has this green cat in there that almost has a Grinch-like look to it, looking out, wondering, do you know who I am? Do you know that Dr. Seuss, Ted Geisel, painted this artwork, and he almost tests people and pulls a prank on them? Yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. Pass the Grey Poupon. Yes, I have a collection of Strudel von Um, and I can just see him (laughs) maintaining his whimsy inside, right? (laughs) Yes, and there are other stories where he created an artist and painted some paintings by that artist and was going to palm them off as a, as a prank. And Audrey said, no, no, you have got to stop this. I think there were some, you know, serious friends in the arts, in the museum community, and, and uh, she needed to pull that prank to an end. And what was their relationship like? Because it seems like there was a yin and yang that he needed. He needed that. With Audrey. Oh, I think that uh, Audrey brought tremendous life and excitement to him. He, you know, even started to change his approach with his artwork after they had become married and at that point in their life. In fact, if you look at many of his artworks in his books, the children's books are four, five, six colors. Once he meets Audrey, she's encouraging him to really explore his color palette. And if you look at the Lorax book, that is one of the books that can definitely directly relate back to Audrey's influence, where she's encouraged him to really explore the full range of his palette that he is so familiar with as a painter. But as a book artist, he really is limited to how many colors the printer is going to allow them to print, and there are limitations to how much money they can spend in budgets when it comes to book printing. But she asks him to expand that, and so she has a definite influence on his life and his art. All right. Now we have a couple more i really like to get in uh, before the show's over. One is under the secret art category, and it's called Cat Detective. Mm-hmm. I could look at that all day long. 
Yes, The Cat Detective in the Wrong Part of Town is the name of, of that artwork. And people have often asked, why so many cats? And when he was asked that during his life, he would say, because I can't paint dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but like so many of his answers, you really didn't know what was true or what was made up. And he often did make up stories, even for the press and the media, just because he was bored or he just had that kind of a creative imagination. But there are so many cats throughout his work. And this artwork here, Cat Detective in the Wrong Part of Town, was done in 1971. And it's right around the time of the Inspector Clouseau, Peter Sellers movies. And so if you look at the hat on that cat, it does have an Inspector Clouseau look and feel to it. And then at the top running through that artwork is a pink train. I can't help but think that it's a tip of the hat to the humor of the Pink Panther movies. Again, this is all my speculation. This may or may not be the case. We don't have writings from him, but we do get to enjoy, at least from an artistic standpoint, this abstract expressionist style that he brings to the work here. And as I mentioned before, as a cultural sponge, he really tried his hand at the different artistic genres that were going on at the time. Expressionism, abstraction was the rage in the 1950s, and he also tries his hand at surrealism. In fact, the foundation for much of his work is surrealism. You see cubism in in certain artworks, you know, historical painting that he does. And this work here has this wonderful abstract expressionist quality to it. Yeah, it's great. I I really do love it. Now, we're going to end the show with a pretty cool one that will be quite a talkie, and it is under the secret art. I'm bummed that it's sold out, but it's called Cat from the Wrong Side of the Tracks. And Mm -hmm. when you guys check this out, I mean, you'll never play pool the same. Yes, and I should mention, when you say sold out, in 1997, Mrs. Geisel gave permission for an authorized collection of limited editions, and these artworks are represented in fine art galleries around the world. We also use them for museum exhibitions, and then people can actually collect them, bring them into their homes. Some of the illustration art you talked about start at a couple hundred dollars, so they're within reach for most people. The secret art started a couple of thousand dollars, typically, so... They're beautiful fine art graphics, and you can go to a gallery and see them, except for this one that you mentioned is sold out, and they're, I think half of the secret art have actually sold out. The demand is, is pretty phenomenal, as you can imagine. Cat from the Wrong Side of Tracks. This is Dr. Seuss's alter ego. This is the bad cat. He's smoking <laughs> a cigarette. He's playing pool in a pool hall, and if you look closely at the cat on his tie, he's got a nudie cat on his tie. (laughs) And Seuss takes it one step further. There are so many wonderful levels in his artwork and his children's books as well. But in this particular artwork, if cats have nine lives, look at the score in his life. Up on the bar above, there's an eight and then there's a one. He's down to his last life. Oh. Seuss echoes that on the table because you've got the nine ball with nine lives and then six and two adding up to eight. This cat has gone through eight of his nine lives. That's how bad the cat from the wrong side of the tracks is. That's great. That's great. Hey, we're speaking with Bill Dreyer. He is the curator and director of the Art of Dr. Seuss. He's based in the Chicagoland area. And we'll be remiss if we don't tell people how to get their Dr. Seuss 
fix. So what's the best way we can find in our where we live? Because this show goes all over the planet. We have 800,000 listeners strong. Anybody from Albuquerque to Abilene to Tacoma to Tampa, where can they get their Dr. Seuss fix, Bill? Well, I'll tell you, right now, if you're in Houston, we have our uh, exhibition at the Children's Museum of Houston. That goes until February 23rd. And mm-hmm. then this May, if you're in Portland, the exhibition on the art and life of Theodore Seuss guys will be at the Portland Discovery Museum there in Portland. And then, let's see here, San Diego History Center will host the exhibition at the end of this year. But you can also go to drseussart.com, where many of us already are, if we're following along on some of the imagery and click on the Find a Dealer location. There's a tab that you can click to, and you'll find your closest gallery. Go to your gallery, look at the artwork, support your local galleries, bring an artwork home to your world, and you will be thrilled, as many, many people are. Well, we've been delighted you were able to share some insights into the world of Dr. Seuss. Is there a parting message that maybe the late, great Dr. Seuss taught you and how you deal with your life? Well, I'll tell you, Seuss's last message that he delivered when asked by his biographers if there's anything left to be said, he said, we must and we can do better than this. He encourages people to think. He's one of the few artists who can make us laugh and think at the same time. And the wonderful messages that he delivers in his books about being humane to people and about not discriminating against others and about reading and having fun and being creative go a long way in everyone's life. All right. Well, I think you fell into a great job because I bet your outlook on life is probably different than it could have been. You don't know. We can't go back in time, but you're an upbeat dude. You have some fun with life, right? Well, I'll tell you what, I feel there's a real uh, connection here to this body of work. And uh, even though I didn't meet Dr. Seuss, you get to know him by looking at his artworks. And it's an amazing portrait of one of the most famous icons in the world. So enjoy, and thank you so much, Arden, for having me on. It's been a treat to be here. Well, it's my honor, Bill. We're speaking with Bill Dreyer. He is the curator of the Dr. Seuss Museum. I want you to go to the Art of Dr. Seuss. You go to drseussart.com, and like he said, there's some exhibitions going on. There's museums all over the place. We are very lucky that Dr. Seuss will live onward. The Cat in the Hat, Grinch, Lorax, you name it. The man and his creations will be here for all the test of time. You're definitely a dude I want to go to a cocktail party with. Seriously, Bill. Because I could just say, can you imagine when people are going, blah, 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 and my investments, and blah, 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 and you're like, what do you do? Oh, I kind of handled the Dr. Seuss collection. What? So you must be a conversation stopper. It's fun. It's really uh, fun, and I feel very fortunate to be uh, able to work with a good doctor. All right. Well, we give pause and applause to Bill Dreyer for being our special guest and braving the ice and snow in the windy city of Chicago. I also want to give a salute to my producer, Mark Winter. He makes this show happen each and every week, and we've got some new great shows on the Pet Life Radio Network. I want you to dash over there after the show. We also are on iHeartRadio, so check that out. We are expanding, maybe not as quickly as Dr. Seuss, but we're getting there. Slow and steady is our motto. So until next time, folks, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. 
coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.